Hi, Creative. It's Lauren here, and I want to ask you a quick favor. If you like the show and it's helped you, please remember to rate, review, and follow Unleash on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Also, very exciting, Unleash is currently up for a few People's Choice Podcast Awards. Voting is going on through Saturday, July 31st. So if you have one to two minutes, go to podcastawards.com and vote for Unleash. It's in the categories for Arts, People's Choice, and Best Female Hosted Show. Okay, now to the show. Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, public speaker, actor, and creative coach, and this show is meant to give you tools to take fear out of the driver's seat and love yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. On the show, we explore the creative process and journey, mental health, self-development, and spirituality. And today... We're talking about how to keep going when you get weary on the creative path and what authenticity has to do with that. Have you ever thought your career was over? Maybe you made a huge mistake, or maybe your colleagues or boss didn't agree with a decision you made, even if you thought it was the right thing to do. I've definitely been in that position, so I know how devastating it feels. And so does today's guest. Not only was it the reason she left her prestigious job at VH1, but interestingly enough, It also became a huge turning point in her career. What she thought was the worst thing that ever happened to her turned into a huge expansion. This guest has a story that will inspire you to push past temporary disappointment, lean into your authentic self, and turn your weakness into a strength. Her name is Taylor Ferber. She's a podcaster, YouTuber, freelance journalist, and the brilliant host of her podcast series, Cancel Me Baby. She's most famously a red carpet interviewer with a unique style that's disarmed huge stars like Oprah, Lady Gaga, Chris Pratt, Kim Kardashian, and Tom Hanks. Playboy even dubbed her the Celebrity Whisperer. I wanted to have Taylor on the show because she went through a huge bump in her career that hurt her, helped her, and ultimately defined her. It had to do with a major star publicly bullying her and Taylor taking a stand against it. What ensues in her journey after that is magic, and in my opinion, the universe and God proving that life is happening for you, not to you. We don't always know how things will work out, but you can bet that by doing the right thing for you, you'll always find the right answer. So we talk about all this, and kind of most importantly for all of us, how to keep going on our journeys. Now here she is, Taylor Ferber. Taylor, I'm so excited that you're finally on the show. This has been a long, long time coming. I think we first started talking about this maybe right before the pandemic happened, or maybe it was, was it summer 2019 or fall 2019, something like that? You know what, Lauren, I I would pin a a point, but time doesn't exist. Yeah, right. So we're in the the pandemic abyss. So, you know, could have been, you know. 10 years ago, Twilight Zone. I mean, who even in our dreams, who even knows? I mean, I would believe it. I had a nightmare last night. This was my nightmare. So what I was saying in my head right before we got on was like, you can take the quarantine away, but you can't take the quarantine out of the girl. My nightmare last night was that I went outside in my indoor Crocs. Um, (laughs) I'm like, that's what I did this morning. No, I am like the most mom who's not a mom. I have 20 pairs of slide on sketchers. So that is like my reality, not a nightmare, but something kooky is going on because 
I had some weird ass nightmares last night and I don't know if it is like this full moon or if it's just the pandemic that wants to remind us it still exists, but I myself had an experience last night and I know a lot of other people did. So I don't know what's going on, but you know what? Here we are. Here we are. Here we are through the mud and our Crocs. We were here. Well, the reason it was a nightmare for me isn't because I'm ashamed of Crocs. I actually, I'm unbelievably pro Croc. Like, and to the point where when those Croc shoes came out and everyone was dogging on them, I was like, I would totally wear the Croc heels because at least, you know, the shoe will still be comfy and I'm obsessed with Crocs and all in. But my point was I was getting the outside germs inside and I didn't like that. So I just want to set the record straight. uh, Justice for Crocs. Mm, (laughs) It's important mm. to me. Like, I feel like we should do like team Crocs versus team Skechers because I feel like that's much more in fashion than I talk about on my show a lot how women are pit against each other, you know, team this or team that in reality TV. So team Crocs or team Skechers hit up me and Lauren. We're going to get the shirts made and the merch (laughs) and let's go. To be honest, there's no wrong answer. Like we support both, but we're just going to say why we're particularly in love with our brand of rubber shoe. (laughs) A hundred percent. It's a win-win. Everybody wins and that's how it'll go. I can't wait. So I'm going to tease right now. Maybe are you open to sharing your nightmare or no? Is it too personal? It's a little, it's a, it's not personal. It's just, it's just bleak. So I don't know if people have had their limits like in the last year and are, are just like, can't take it anymore. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll leave that one up to you, but maybe if, if Taylor's feeling it and the moment is appropriate, we'll tease that she'll reveal her nightmare at the end. So you stick around for that great content. How about like, choose your own, choose your own adventure. Wait, Sidebar, that's a great idea for a podcast. Like you get to choose how it ends. That would be sick. Like Bandersnatch on um, Black Mirror. Which, what episode was that? It's, so you've watched Black Mirror and it's, they came out with a movie and it was all choose your own adventure every step of the way. So that was my nightmare. And it's actually fitting because it's like Black Mirror which is just a dystopian abyss. And so there we go. It all comes full. It all comes full circle. Oh man. Well, I love it. We met through our uh, mutual friend, Steffi Hill, AKA spirit says she's been on the pod. And, um, so I was supposed to have you on the podcast like ages ago and then just life happened and we lost track of each other. How did we end up getting back in touch? I mean, I think we've just both like everyone else in the whole world been going through a hard time for the past year. And we were both feeling a little lost and like trying to grab on for something in our careers. Oh, actually you reached out to me, right? You tell it. Yes. I had reached you because like you said, everybody's just ready to move on with their lives. And I asked you reaching, if you had any pointers about finding representation, i.e. an agent. Yes. Cause we are ready to be brought to the masses girl. So that's kind of how it happened. And then we hopped on a zoom and we bonded talking about this crazy industry and being in podcasting etc. Yeah. So the interesting thing was at the same time I had been saying like my little like manifesting thing is I just start saying what I want. So I've been saying like, I really want to find representation. I really want to find an agent or a manager to help me take everything I do and bring it to the next level. So I was like, well, girl, I'm trying to figure it out too, but let's get on a call and brainstorm. So we did that. And it's always great to find somebody who's like-minded, who genuinely wants to help other people and who's looking to expand themselves. So it was just great synergy. And I wanted to have you on the show because I'm like, let's talk about some of the things we talked about on that Zoom. Yes, you guys better feel the FOMO from that Zoom because it went down. It went down. But, you know, we'll get into it today too. Yes, we will. We will. So a, a big thing that we talked about and something I think 
you know, I, I mean, I've struggled with this, I think since day one, when I moved out here, because I don't know about you, but when I moved to LA from Detroit, I kind of had this false impression that I would just make it in a couple months. Like it, it wouldn't take that long. I was just like going to step out here, do my little internship, get an acting gig, and then probably just like book a sitcom pretty quickly and have my own trailer on the WB lot. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen. And so plot twist, plot twist. Yeah. Overnight success isn't real for the most part, unless you're on TikTok, which why can't I figure out TikTok? I don't know. It's okay. It's trash. You're not missing anything, Lauren. I'm trying. I'm trying. Cause I'm like, why not? Why not open yourself up if you can? And I'm trying to learn something from these kids dancing, but I don't know what to do. Listen, the overnight success thing is a myth. I'm so over it. I used to beat myself up about it. And after being in the industry for a decade and grinding and hustling night after night, dust till dawn, you know how it is. I feel like it's the kind of industry where you have to put in the work to see the longevity. It's like the overnight thing. Like I said, it used to get my panties in a wad and now I'm like, whatever, you'll have 15 minutes and it will be over it. So it's true. And I think for me, and I don't know about you, but if I had had success when I first moved out here, I would have been destroyed. I was way too sensitive, way too vulnerable. I didn't have thick skin. I needed to suffer a little bit and also be on different sides of the industry so that I could see the bad actors when they were coming my way. If I had just made it overnight, I really think something bad would have happened to me. So it was God protecting me, but it still sucked while it was happening. Yeah. So do you and your listeners want to hear a story that encapsulates all of this? Yes. Like putting in the grit and not having the overnight success and how things in the moment may be like earth shattering, but later it ends up having your back. Yeah. Yeah. Love these stories. Okay. Okay. So for those of you guys listening, my name's Taylor. I host a podcast called Cancel Me Baby, but I started out in Hollywood, you know, five years ago as a VH1 writer. Okay. Funny enough, because it's really timely right now. I had written a piece about Chrissy Teigen. I called her out her bullying. And I said it was hypocritical because she claimed she was being bullied and she was being a bully to people on the internet. Okay. So Chrissy Teigen ends up coming after me and VH1 in a public manner on Twitter. So VH1 ends up putting me on suspension, taking down the piece, taking her side and caving to her. And I was at a real crossroads in life. Now I had just gotten out to Hollywood. Like you said, coming from Detroit, from Connecticut, I had no family, no connections, no nothing. I had just moved out a couple months prior. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like a 23, 24 year old. And I'm like, my life is ruined. Like Chrissy Teigen, this huge, you know, like David and Goliath, my life is ruined. Okay. So I end up like at a principle, like I do now. I'm like, no, I stand by what I, what I mean and what I say. And so I walked away from the job, pulled myself up from by the bootstraps. And I got into red carpet reporting because that was always my passion, right? Talking it out with people. And I launched my own site called talk to me. And I would go out on red carpets and I would talk to celebrities in a way no one was doing it and about stuff. No one was talking to them about. I would talk to them on a selfie stick about the most like controversial issues. And they really let their hair down and they showed themselves in a way like no one would ever see them. Right. Yeah. So cut to the pandemic happens and our entire industry shuts down. So I end up after being on the grind for years, after persevering through all that, pack up my stuff, you know, my life I built in LA, selling my stuff and coming back to my parents' house in Connecticut. Like literally my stuff is in boxes in their basement. I still think I have PTSD. I'm like, what just happened? 
And I launched my podcast. It's called Cancel Me Baby. And I really dive in and dig into really provocative conversations that people are afraid to have. I bring in my celeb experience. I talk about pop culture. So what happens is whole Chrissy Teigen thing. It ends up coming full circle. I end up writing an op-ed in USA Today that gets national attention and was picked up on NPR, all these things. So I tell you guys this because it goes to show in that moment, I literally thought my career was over and time after time after time, I had to pull myself up by the bootstraps, keep going, keep going. And I would have never in a million years in that moment predicted this is what would have unfolded. But to your point about, I went through so much that I'm so thankful. Sometimes I look at my old red carpet interviews and I'm like, cringe, how awkward. So everyone's in a tough moment, but I tell you guys the story because it sounds so cheesy, but don't you think Lauren, everything is a growing lesson and you look back in hindsight and you're like, thank God. Well, also like what a brave 23, 24 year old, like honestly, Taylor, part of why I love you and, and I love what you do. And I've told you many times, like, I don't always agree with all your takes, but I love that you stand by them with such conviction and like your heart and your soul, and that you're always fighting for the truth and what you feel is right. At 23, I never would have had the balls to do what you did. I would have cowered down and been way too scared and walked in the opposite direction and just tucked my tail between my legs. Where did you get that courage? It's so funny because I was in utter confusion. I was distraught. I would go on walks around my Hollywood, you know, neighborhood being like, what do I do? Because literally, like I said, I thought my life was being destroyed. And this is Hollywood. This is an industry that really wears and tears you down. There is no shame. It's really cutthroat, clearly in every man for themselves. And I was really at a crossroad. And my best friend at the time, and he's still my best friend, he said to me, you either apologize to BH1, get your job and, you know, keep it moving, or you walk away standing by your principles. And it was not a decision I made lightly, but I'll tell you when I put in that, you know, resignation, I'm leaving, it felt really good. And I just felt so free. And it's kind of, it's again, it's like, you never know in hindsight, cause it ended up being the sort of career and the theme of my brand, my show and kind of my, my work. Yeah. It's almost like that was the inciting incident for you. Like you needed to make that choice to make the universe know that you were ready to be who you really are. And even with my show now, I think about it all the time. I'm like, I'll call out big entities. I'll call out celebrity publicists. I'll call out studios. Like I'm, I aired it all out, not in like a tacky gossipy way, but in a way that's honest and real. And it's funny. And sometimes I think to myself, am I burning every bridge that I ever had? But I'm like, you know what? I hear what my listeners have to say and just how they receive the honesty. And that to me is so much more worth it than trying to kiss everyone's ass in Hollywood. Right. Because you have to be authentic still. I mean, I think that in the same token, you just from my interactions with you, you're so excited about anyone that is a good person that is honest and that's good to you and good to others. So it's like, you're going to be just as much as you call someone out, you're going to be an ally and there for someone. So you're just, you're cultivating the right people, but it takes a special personality to be that bold. And I just want to know, like with all the Chrissy stuff, did you feel vindicated when that came to light? So I think that I was, I still have a little bit of like, even though I look at it as it was a blessing in disguise, I have a little bit of not PTSD, but I just want to leave that behind. Yeah. So when this all came out, I was part of me was like, I am over talking about this lady. I am over giving her more attention. She's a bully. I said it five years ago. I'm over it. Right. 
But then people were kind of pushing me to be like, you haven't experienced with this. Almost no one else on earth has. You need to talk about it. Yeah. So I listened to them and I did. And was it vindicating? Yes and no. I think for me, it was like, it was vindicating to be able to tie it into my brand and what I talk about now and the bigger picture about cancel culture and how, even though I went through all of this with her and have this one-on-one experience, like I say in USA Today, I still don't think that she should be canceled. What does that accomplish? And that goes for anybody else. Like we need to bring them into the conversations and have them truly grow, not this BS Twitter apology. So that was vindicating to be like, I had my voice then and it came in a full circle way now that means something you know, tenfold. So that more than anything. And now that I see all this more coming out of how she keeps popping up now, I'm like, all right, I'm over it. I've said my piece, (laughs) like moving on enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I think it was such a great opportunity for you to talk about that because it's true. Like I do believe in canceling people like Harvey Weinstein, you know, fuck him. (laughs) No, no, Yeah. yeah. There's a line. He's like a serial rapist canceled serial killer canceled like people who did something wrong and she did a lot of wrong things granted no she did she made a lot of mistakes but even with that many mistakes I do believe people have the ability to grow and to change and to learn she did some deeply fucked up things yeah but with that being said how are we gonna get better as a human race if we don't yes hold people accountable but like allow them to grow And I say this in my piece, you guys should check it out, but it goes for any issue right now, trans race. If we're just shutting people up and putting them in a corner, what in the world does that accomplish? You shame them and they dig deeper. Oh, it's so detrimental because nobody's going to want to hash it out. Talk about it being, how can I grow? And what is punishing them? What they go in a corner. It's, is that going to suddenly make them think differently? Is that it's no, it's just going to make other people resentful being like, God, you can't say anything anymore. And it's going to make people be like, I'm scared. I, I, you know, I say it, like I said, behind closed doors and it's just, it's so bad. We got to move past it. So yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. We got to talk it out and give people a little, (laughs) Grace. Well, like this isn't the green mile. Okay. Like let's relax. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A little grace. Yes. One of the big things on the podcast that I talk about is like taking fear out of the driver's seat. And I really feel like you've lived your life in a really fearless way. Like you, maybe you feel scared, but you're not letting fear call the shots. How do you do that? And what's your advice for somebody that's more ruled by fear? I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it keeps me up at night and I'm a very type A personality. I have an obsessive personality. So because I talk about provocative issues on my show, I will be in the shower. I will be trying to watch friends and I will replay sometimes like, should I have worded it this way? Oh shoot. I forgot to, I forgot to include this line. I forgot to say it this way. And I just want to tell you guys, people right now are craving authenticity so much again, not to be, you know, cliche and cheesy, but everyone right now is so over. There's so much thought control. There's so much, you can say this and you can't say that. And I can say from personal experience, it is just so much more worth it to just kind of go balls to the wall and be like, you know what, take it or leave it. Especially in a time like right now, people are craving for it. Just go for it. Honestly, what do you have to lose? Well, right. That's the real question. But I think sometimes like you can tell yourself a really convincing story about, 
oh, if I do the thing that I want to do, then everyone will judge me and I will die. Like, I think that literally your brain can, I mean, sometimes when I'm in fear and I'm letting fear rule me, my brain literally goes to the place of, if you do that, you might die. Now I know that's not actually true, but I think there's some sort of like primal survival mechanism in your brain when you're about to take some sort of big risk that stops you. And so it's like, I'm very interested. So it sounds like you do feel the fear, but you're just like, screw it. I'd rather be myself than be ruled. Yes. Because I feel like in the beginning of my show, I kind of like dip my toe in the water. And what made me really just go all out is how people and listeners from all men, women, you know, from all over the world would react to the more honest I was. Mm. And that's what made me be like, you need to just go for it because they would be like, thank you. Thank you for, for saying this. I'm afraid to say this. This is exactly how I feel. You nailed it. You're the only person I hear who's saying this. And to me, like, that's what keeps me going. It's like, it's so, it's so worth it. Yeah. And I think the thing is so many people are having more provocative discussions, like in their day-to-day life, like with their friends or with their family and not nothing like bad, nothing like homophobic or racist, nothing like that. But like you're discussing things that maybe it's not like a hundred percent PC if you even asked a question. And I like that your podcast is a place where you can at least ask questions and be like, is this really right? What do we really think about this rather than just accepting whatever the pervasive opinion is? Well, here's the thing, because this is why I feel like it's hypocritical because we're in a time where people act like we're making so much change and it's so progressive. And I'm thinking to myself, how could that be? Because people are walking on eggshells, afraid to say anything. So my show is really a place to talk it out. There's no judgment and to really like get into the ugly truth, because in my mind, that's how we actually move forward. Not by, you know, having a facade to the public and then behind closed doors saying, you know, I really think this it's like, that's not going to help us grow. It's just reverting us backwards. I think. Yeah. So, and it's fun. It's fun too. (laughs) Okay. So have you always liked stirring the pot? When did that start for you? I feel like honestly, that started from when I was young, you know, it's funny is I have a video, like a home video. I would always be taping myself doing skits. I'm probably 12 and I'm impersonating, like doing a parody of Ryan Seacrest on American Idol. So I, this bitch was stirring the pot. I was like fresh out of middle school and being like, let's get into it. And even when I, I remember being in high school, I was always that person who would be like, okay, guys, like, you know, when you're hanging out playing capture the flag, I'd be like, okay, like, let's play like two truths and a dare. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, I always, um, found it as my way to connect with people in a way that's real, you know? Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I think a lot of people have had to do in the pandy, as I like to call it, Ah, is reinvent themselves. Isn't that cute? It reminds you of a little panda bear. You know, what's funny is on my show yesterday, I called it the panty. I forgot the D and listening back, it sounded like panties, but you know, either one works. Well, I like panty too. I I like pandy because it reminds me more of a panda, but honestly, I'm a supporter (laughs) of panty as well. So, you know, we can get shirts that say pandy and panty as well as team Skechers, team Crocs. No, I love it. A lot of business ideas. Yes taking over Jeff Bezos's business. Oh God, please. I hope so. Fuck him. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't deal with, okay, sorry. Like, this is a sidetrack, but I can't deal with anyone going to space at all. Go off Lauren, go off. Like I'm, I'm sick. Of, I actually fought with my dad about this recently because he's like, it's very cool that they're space traveling. I, I'm sorry. Have you looked at the earth recently? Like, do you see what's going on down here? 
figure it out on your own planet first. My God. So I actually have an opposite take because I feel split about it. I feel like it's cool. It's like we're advancing. If he wants to go to space, it's like, yeah, move us forward. I think it's sweet. My thing, you know, once I did started doing a little more research, first of all, like fuck right off with this cowboy hat, like knock it off. And then also like, to me, I always call out like tone deafness and hypocrisy Yeah, and just the, the fact that he literally had the balls on like his rocket penis ship to, you know, be like, oh, thank you to the Amazon workers for having me go up into space. And that's where I'm like, dude, your company has had so many issues treat. And I know from firsthand experience treating employees like shit. So please knock it off. But at the same time, I'm like, it's cool that he's going up there and he brought all these, you know, like the youngest kid ever, the oldest woman ever. I thought that was cool. So I feel mixed. Yeah, that that part was cool. I just kind of like, why do we need to go to space right now (laughs) at all? Like NASA, him, anyone. I just don't know if anyone's looked around our Earth, but things are kind of shitty here in a lot of ways. But in their defense, in their defense, and maybe that's why I'm envious. It's like, can we get the F out of here? Like, bye, peace deuces like i'll send you guys a postcard from mars i'm like jealous have fun yeah yeah exactly like have fun down there suckers yeah no exactly exactly like they're on to something <laughs> so okay so the new plan is all of the good people no uh-uh no i take this back we're gonna take all the people here who are not being kind to each other and ruining thing like we're gonna take all the sociopaths and we're gonna put them in a penis shaped spaceship and we're going to shoot them up to Mars and then they can all go colonize Mars together and be miserable together. And all the good people get to stay on Earth. hundred. I was actually going to suggest boob shaped one, you know, like feminist, yes. but they are not even worthy. They're not even worthy. So they yeah. can take Jeff Bezos's ballsless ship and yep. we'll have the cool boobs one. The boob ship stays on Earth. The boob ship stays with us. <laughs> Um, okay. So that was pretty creative. And I think everyone can admit that, but back to you, like, how did you go about getting on the red carpet? That's always fascinated me because for those that don't know to get on a red carpet, you need to get credentials. You need to be in touch with the people who are running things. You have to have relationships with publicists. I never understood how you did that all by yourself. You were your own videographer. Everything. You did everything by yourself. How did that happen? You got to just do it yourself if you want to get it done. That's what I've learned. So it's funny because when the whole thing happened with VH1, which thank God, again, in hindsight, it's a blessing in disguise. I started kind of putting feelers out and I had an interview at Us Weekly Mm. and they were looking for a full-time reporter and they were looking for somebody that is my nightmare. Somebody who knows, you know, sources say that Benifer was out at Alfred. Like, that's my nightmare. I'm like, I don't care about the gossipy tabloid stuff. Right. So they brought me in for an interview for that position. And the editor said to me at the time, you know, you don't have enough sources or connections to do that, but you'd be great for red carpets. Go figure. So I started doing red carpets for them freelance. And then just by word of mouth, I think people saw me doing my thing on the carpet. I have a friend out there who really took me under his wing. He's like a vet in the red carpet world. He started having me do stuff for Vulture. Next thing you know, I was traveling the world for Fandango, going on movie sets and interviewing the stars. It was just sort of snowballed. And as far as my own site, it's funny because I went out there wanting to be like a Juliana Rancic. And then quickly I was like, yeah, this whole what are you wearing ain't going to fly for me. But because to your point, I didn't have the luxury of a camera crew of a cubed mic of the whole thing. My best friend, he was like, why don't you go out on a selfie stick 
and just do it yourself. And I did. And they ended up, they would grab it. Michael Douglas, like grab my nose, you know, Brooklyn Decker was like, touch my boobs. It was just such a, it was just so disarming. Mm. So again, blessing in disguise because I didn't have the camera guy and I was my own camera guy, but look how it turned out. It was something, you know, totally different than what was out there. It just snowballed from there, but it took a lot and it still does. It's a lot of work. I have had and it bothers me too. And I'm sure you creatives listening and you, Lauren, it bothers me how people don't talk about rejection enough because I have been shit on so much. I would have publicists who knew me and knew what my work would say to me, you know, we don't want you coming to this for your site, but if you want to for us weekly, you're more than welcome, you know, and that stung like a bee Ooh, every time. But Taylor, that's such a good thing. And there's like a twofold thing. Well, okay. One thing I want to call out, you said it was blessing in disguise. And I like that for you. And I think so often for us, like we're we're looking at things the wrong way. What we think is our weakness is actually our strength. I have chills. One would think not having a camera crew would be your weakness, but it actually was your strength because you disarmed celebrities and you got to talk to them about different things than they maybe would feel comfortable to in front of a three or four or five person camera crew. So I love that. The other thing that you said was they didn't want to talk to you if you weren't attached to a major brand. This is a thing that keeps a lot of people from quitting their day jobs, from going off and doing the thing they want to do, because people, even though it's the same amount of talent, if you're on your own versus if you're suddenly with Us Weekly, if you don't have that major brand attached to you, people give you less clout. Do you think that there's anything we can do to change this? So this is a sad reality, and I'm not one clearly to pull punches. I think that Hollywood is, it's all about the clout. And someone told me this and it's so true. It's like, people don't want a piece of you until everyone else does. And you know how I have experience and why I wouldn't take it so personally is because I would interview celebrities who were nobodies. And I'd be like, oh, I'm bored on the red carpet. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw this guy, Justin Hartley, a bone. I saw him once on Revenge. And then next thing you know, he blows up on This Is Us. You can barely get near him. And so I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. It's not just us. It's these A-listers. And I think that's a sad reality. It's like my ego is, is hurt like so easily. Like I'm that person who like I try to hold on to the positive comments, but someone will say one negative thing and I'll harp on it and like play a violin and cry. I think that's human nature. Yeah. That's called being human. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, when I think about their stories, so I try not to let that get under my skin and discredit. It's rough because you got to give yourself a pep talk every single day and be like, what I'm doing is different. What I'm doing is valuable. What I'm doing is this, because that's the reality. It's like, you have to see it for them to see it. Cause they're not going to do dick for you. Yeah. You know, it's true. They're not, you know, it's true. Yeah. I, I know. I struggle with it still though, because It's just hard. It's hard because you want to be valued for who you are and what you bring to the table, not how you're attached to something else or your numbers or whatever. But I get that there are just don't even get me started. There are realities. I get it. Like at the end of the day, it is a business, but it's disheartening to see somebody who has gotten their success from like lip syncing a song or doing a dance. I know. And then to know that you've got these years of experience. And that person is still going to get something over you. And that's why I'm like, you know, I could get bitter about that. I could get depressed about it, which I definitely have. Or I could say, okay, what are they doing? And how can I do that? Because I have the talent to back it up. So their career, like we talked about before with like young success, I think young success or overnight success doesn't have legs unless that person is incredibly strong or a prodigy. 
you can rise up fast, but you're going to fall down just as fast and just as hard, if not harder hundred, but for us, because we've had a slow climb and we do have the clout and we do have the education and the real life experience. I think that when we do make it to whatever it is that will help us break through, we're going to have the legs to sustain it. And if God forbid something happens, we also have the gut to know that we're survivors. I couldn't have said it better, especially when I was in LA because I would rub shoulders with these people. I, like the most degrading experiences. I swear to God, one time I had an assignment to interview like one of the little kids from Dance Moms. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm a 27 year old interviewing an eight year old. Like it just, I've had very degrading experiences like that. Yeah. But you know, number one, you're right. It's part of the climate. This is why this business is hard for me because I hate having to prove myself. I'm like, my repertoire should speak for itself. And this is a shameless ass business. Sometimes I think that I'm like people who are just shameless sometimes succeed. Yeah. And that's a sad reality. But here's the thing. While people are attached to numbers, which don't even, I have talked about on my show so many times. Like, I think it's trash. Sorry. Your value and your worth is more than a number next to your name and a blue check, like over it. I always had faith that the right people who were not narrow-minded and who thought ahead and were really the innovators wouldn't give a shit about the numbers and would be like, I see something here. That like always gives me faith. And to your point, the stories of the people who put in grit for years stick with me so much more than, you know, number 72 TikToker who blew up overnight for doing a, you know, whatever, a Shakira dance. It's like, I, I love those stories of like, I love Shakira moment, but you know, I love those <laughs> stories. And I have to sometimes remind myself of them and read them over and over. But you hear these stories of, I think I just read Jessica Chastain and she was like, I didn't even get an audition until I was five years into being in Hollywood. Dak Shepard, I interviewed him and Kristen Bell. And he said to me on the carpet, you guys can see it's on my YouTube, talk to me, Taylor. He said, I was in Hollywood for 10 years before I got an audition or auditioning before I got a role, Ten, a decade. And look at Dak Shepard. It's like, do you want to be a TikToker or do you want to be a Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell? So I think about it like, you know, the Viola Davises. I mean, it could go on and on. And they're, they're icons. Yeah, there's a million stories. No one focuses, though, like you said, on the rejections. I mean, you hear that and you're like, yeah, but you're Dak Shepard now. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if we supported Dak Shepard before he was Dak Shepard? Wouldn't it be cool if we could see his talent and cultivate it and give him a chance before he had all the clout and it wasn't even a risk? And there are people out there like that. And to circle back to the beginning of our conversation, that's really what we need to look for in finding like an agent or manager, somebody who does see that way and isn't afraid to do the work and work as a team. But it's interesting because nobody talks about, you know, they say like the 10 year overnight success, but it's still not talked about that much. I wish it was because that those are the stories that keep me going and that are really inspiring and the ones who cement their place. Yeah, exactly. Through this past year, you've had to reinvent yourself again. Mm -hmm. How have you kept going in those dark nights? There have been many. Yeah. It's been a dark road. I'm not going to lie. I know I joked about it earlier, but the idea of packing up a life, I worked so hard to build on my own financially independent, the carpets, everything and being isolated too. I'm a people person. So I thrive off the connectivity. So being isolated like this has not been good for my mental health, but what I tell myself is that whole thing happened with Chrissy Teigen, you know, five, six years ago, and it changed everything. And I say to myself, this is that on steroids. So imagine what's going to happen after this. If that didn't happen, my whole life would, I'd be a corporate 
slave, you know, writing out a million new stories of pieces about things I didn't care about. Who knows how long I would have been doing it. And red carpets, same thing. I know I glamorize it, but towards the end, I was really fed up with it because people were getting more and more controlled. It was really hard to have conversations for the last year of it. I would complain. I'd be like, I feel like I'm bigger than this. And I stayed complacent and stuck in it. So while I wish the pandemic wasn't so aggressive, I tell myself in the, in my darkest of moments, it had to be this way because you would have been stuck. You would have stayed who knows now the path it's throwing you on. It's Chrissy Teigen 2.0. I love this idea that on the other side of every trauma is an equal victory or greater victory. Has that been true in your life? 100%. Because again, had I not gone through all that with Chrissy Teigen thinking my life and career would be over, I would have never, I mean, maybe I would have, but maybe it wouldn't have been the same or taken shape or been later in life. Like I'm so proud. I really had a vision and created a brand on the red carpet that was unlike anywhere else. Like I said, I, I did, you know, set visits around the world. I spearheaded and pitched an unprecedented feature in Playboy featuring me and other journalists. That was a lifelong dream. I remember in high school, my friends would gift me like Playboy poster. So it's like all these things happened that had I not been at that low rock bottom, again, who knows? And so I tell myself this because I'm not on the other side, so to speak, of this. So I tell myself that. Oh my gosh. Taylor, also no one ever talks about that. Like I never hear people really talking about when they're like in the middle of something treacherous. Mm -hmm. Like that is so heavy. And and I have a hard time trusting that it's going to end. Like I've gotten better at it actually like the last two weeks because I, you know, I did a a podcast last week about my friend, Matt who passed. And that really put things into perspective for me. Cause I'm like, what, what is any of this for? I know like he didn't go to bed on Thursday night and think he was going to die the next day. And it's like, what's the point of beating myself up and being miserable? Cause I haven't achieved some amount of success that I think I'm supposed to have. Like I've always known my worth really isn't in what I do, but in the society we live in, it's really hard to remember that day to day because people who have high worth all seem to have a lot of things, whether it's money, clout, Mm -hmm. titles, whatever it is. And if you don't feel like you have those things that the people who are respected or revered have, it's easy to feel like you're not enough. But when I saw Matt die and I saw the outpouring of love for him. And like, yes, he, he definitely had followers and and all that, but his main goal was to make people happy and feel joy. And I'm like, what am I doing this for? If I'm not even going to be happy on the journey. Hmm. I tell myself that constantly because I'm that person who I'm obsessed with my mission and what I want to do. Someone one of my listeners asked me the other day, you know, Outside of this, like, what are your passions in life? And I had a hard time racking my brain because I'm like, this, this is it. This is it. And in times like you're saying, believe me, I've gotten really dark. Like, I know how everyone jokes about the pandemic, but like it's Groundhog Day. And I'm like, I'm still in it. Like, I wake up at my parents' house every day being like, how am I still here? And I have to pick myself up by the bootstraps every single day and self-start. There's no boss to answer to. There's no office to go to. Technically, there's no one to see or nowhere to go any day. And I have to pick myself up every single day. And in times, even when I'm really dark, because of what you just said, 
it's like that idea, even if I'm in the biggest funk, shooting an episode of my show and putting it up and getting feedback without fail, despite the fact I am still on unemployment, I'm 30 and I'm on unemployment. I'm living at my parents in the suburbs, which is my true nightmare, like all these things. And I've gotten to the point where literally I have to be like, okay, you know what? You have two arms, you have two legs, you have a roof over your head. I have to tell myself these things literally every day. And I don't think that there's anything wrong. Here's the thing. Cause you're like, what's the point? I've gotten so ex- existential, like so many times, even with celebrities on the red carpet. Um, I heard this in a meditation this morning and this is, I'm glad I heard it. And this is like kind of cheesy, but it says, if you have this yearning and this desire for something, that's because it's already yours and it's meant to be yours. And when you finally get it, you're going to feel like you're home. And that really stuck with me because I think about this a lot. Same thing with you. I'm like, I'm on my journey. Shouldn't I be happy? Why am I so miserable? Even doing carpets. Why am I so miserable? Shouldn't I be happy? Shouldn't I be happy? And so that's like a flip side of why I don't think it's bad to strive for something Mm. and to want it at the end of the day, because we have it deep rooted for a reason. It's not for nothing. A hundred percent. I actually, it's funny that you say that because I literally yesterday shared something on my Instagram story that was like, what if the things you want are just glimpses of your future life that you already have? And you're just like having an intuition about it. A hundred. And it's like a little bit different, but, um, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think I think there's a way to feel like disappointed that you're not where you're at in life or where you want to be at in life and still have worth in where you are and who you are. So I, that's kind of where I'm striving to be because I just have not been happy for the most part over the past couple of years overall. I feel the same. And to make you feel better, I think that this is something here, I try to flip everything. And I think that this is something that number one is in the DNA of creative people and also of successful people. I've been having this conversation with myself so much lately and other people going, why aren't I ever happy? And I have this fear and people are like, are you kidding me? You've accomplished more than people would have in their whole life. Yeah. And I have this fear of one day obtaining everything that I ever want and still being like, I need more. I need more. But when you think about it, I think that's something that drives successful people. I heard a recent story of David Letterman was like that nothing was enough. And it's like, okay, but he was David Letterman. So I try to put it in perspective, you know, I, I agree with you, but I do think that there's a balance. Have you ever read man's search for meaning by Victor Frankl? No, I haven't. So I've referenced it on the show a million times. People are probably sick of hearing it, but it bears saying again, it's a book about a guy who survived the Holocaust. He was a a psychiatrist, I think. Yeah. Cause he's Dr. Victor Frankl. And there was this scene in the book where he was walking into Auschwitz and they were taking everything, like stripping all their clothes, taking away their possessions. And he had this manuscript that he had written because he was an academic and he went up to one of the Nazis and was like, please, please don't burn this. Like it's my life's work. Could you just please save it for me? And the Nazi took it and threw it in the fire. (gasps) Oh, and in, in the book, he said, in that moment, I realized like, I was not a doctor. I was not my degrees. I was not a writer. I was just a person. And all I have is the way I love other people and my connection to God, because literally everything else in life can be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And I think when we get too attached to those desires or to what we want or being in the rat race and wanting more, 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 we're getting away from our true nature 
So I think it's like, yes, if you're ambitious and you have a lot of desires, you have to stay hungry and keep wanting and like, and keep going because you never want to stop growing because you stop growing, you die. But at the same time, there is a very real possibility that if you're gaining your self-worth and your semblance of happiness from your achievements, that you're never going to be happy. And then what was it all for? So I'm going to let it all out. I've never been to therapy, but what you just said is a reason I've been thinking about it. I actually asked Steffi yeah. who connected, you know, our mutual friend. Steffi has an amazing therapist. If you want to go to her, I asked her, I was like, is there anybody, you know, you recommend because the I, more in like, I'm a spiritual person and the clinical like doctor thing freaks me out. So I'm like, is there a spiritual person? You should go to my therapist then Jessica's amazing. Jessica, I'm going to hit it up because this is a real, this is a real thing. And it's, it's really come to like over the course of the pandemic. It really scares me. It's like, cause I'm a bubbly, optimistic, you know, energetic, uh, happy person, but it's that thing. It's like, but am I happy? Am I happy? Like I'm always wanting more. Yeah. I'll give you an example. When I wrote my USA today op-ed, I mean, life accomplishment, like USA today, this happened just a couple months ago. And I was getting people from around the country messaging me, emailing me, writing on my site, going, I, this lady wrote to me, I literally had to pull my car over. I was so excited to see somebody talk about cancel culture and what's going on and the way you did. I had to tell my husband, you know, all this hype. And instead of holding on to that, and I knew this was going to happen. I was like in a spiral depressed state, literally a week later, it's like the crash, like the come down after a high. Right. And I knew it was going to happen. I said to my best friend, mark my words in a week, I'll be like depressed. And that's exactly to your point. It's like, had I, and and this is like something I really need to work on, but had I held on to that and been like, even now still Taylor, you were just in USA today, NPR. Nope. It's like, it's not enough. It's like, what's next. And that's really scary. It's not a, it's not a fun brain. I like my brain. It's a cool, it's a cool ass brain. Your brain is amazing, but, but you know what? You've been infiltrated by this, like the world in general is like that, but this industry is like a real pressure cooker of the world in general. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's such a feeling that you're disposable and you're only as good as your last accomplishment that being here for how long were you here? Like six years and you're still in the industry. Like, even though you're not physically here, you're in it. Right. It, it kind of changes your brain chemistry. You know, I, I felt the same way after my people magazine article. Did you, I got it. I was so happy. I was so happy, like biggest accomplishment of my life. And then like three days later, I'm like, okay, now what? <gasps> I'm telling you, it's a real yeah. thing. And and I'll have friends I'll vent to. And they'll be like, girl, I don't want to hear it from you. Like, you know, you were just did this. You just did this. And I tell myself over and over. And it's that it's, it's what you're talking about. It's that day-to-day fulfillment. And that's what scares me because it's like, if not now, then when, and you're right. It's like, well, what's all it for then? Because if you're on the high and then two seconds later, it's like you have amnesia and forget it ever happened. Well then, you know, what is that all for? And I listen to all these spiritual people who will say like, live every day. Like it is your birthday. Like you're a rock star because then that's the more you'll get. But it's like, when you're in the mental state, like we're talking about it's it, and you got to climb out and you got to find that every day, especially being isolated and without work or whatever it is in a pandemic. It's hard. It's really hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Well, I remember Mark Duplass and his brother came on Brene Brown's podcast that I produced for a while. And they were like, it's so funny because so many times I'll be producing these shows and like crying in the side of the room 
because I'm having an emotional experience, but I can't make noise. So I'm like crying, trying not to show my emotion. But they talked about like, I highly recommend that for any artists listening because they talked about, I, I don't remember if they won or they were nominated for an Emmy. And they said that was the most depressed they'd ever been. Are you kidding me? Like that was like either, either like the day of the Emmys or like the next day was like the worst day of their life. <gasps> and Mark Duplass talks about after the Emmys, he, he called his wife and he was like, Hey, do you have any of those donuts left from this morning? And she was like, yeah. And he's like, I went home and I ate donuts in the hot tub with my wife and my kid. And he's like, honestly, that was the only thing that like saved me and helped me feel better that day. So I don't think that this idea of like, because if, if we're attaching the happiness to this like milestone accomplishment and it happens and then we still feel the same inside, nothing changes. Your clout may change, but your inner life is the same. So that's why you have to be working on it and like questioning, why do I draw my worth from these things? Like what happened to me in my life, in my childhood that made me think the only way I was worthy was if other people were acknowledging it? Why isn't it enough for me to acknowledge myself? 100. And I've had people, even Steffi has said to me that you have to be fulfilled and happy in what you're doing, no matter the accolades, the followers, the views, it shouldn't matter. People like her would always say, you know, you have to have fulfillment and just doing it period. Mm -hmm. And that is really tough too, because it's like that in and of itself should be fulfilling. Right. Yeah. And like I said, even with my show, it's so gratifying to shoot an app, say what I have to say, put it out and have people respond. But again, it's like that come down yet again. And it's like, how do you keep a stable thing of like, I'm just good with this is where it's at right now. It's just so up and down. And that's, you know, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm in the similar boat right now where I'm trying to figure that out, but I'm like, if I can't enjoy it for what it is, then maybe I need to do something different. It doesn't mean I need to do a whole different thing, but like, if I stopped enjoying this podcast, then maybe stopping it and doing a new one. Like if I stopped enjoying playing gigs, okay, well, would I rather like do Instagram lives? Like I think when we're stuck, we have more options than we think. Do you know your human design? Yeah, I'm a man, Jen. Okay, cool. I'm a projector. And like that has been helping me a lot. Actually, I got so pissed off when Steffi first told me my human design. <laughs> I actually yelled at her. I was like, this sucks. Why would you tell me that, that I have to wait for an invitation that sucks. She flips the table So for anyone who's confused. We, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, but it's kind of confusing and I don't know enough to tell you about it. I'm going to have an expert on at some point, but basically human design is how your body is designed to energetically work in the world and projectors, which is what I am. We're meant and they base it on like your birth time and where you're born and all that stuff. So kind of like astrology in that way, but it's pretty different in the way it lays out. And my, my design is that if I'm living in alignment with myself, I'm supposed to wait for invitations to do anything. <laughs> I could never, I couldn't, I would literally be in a straight jacket. Like I, <laughs> well, yours is to respond, which is kind of like waiting for an invitation, Yeah. but it's interesting. Cause when I do think about everything that I've ever had, like any big thing in my life has kind of, I've worked really hard, but from the hard work fallen into my lap. Like I became a producer because of an invitation. I got my people magazine article from an invitation. Like all these things have been like mm -hmm. invites. That's interesting. It is interesting to kind of look at that and be like, okay, there's some truth to it. The other thing that's interesting is like for the past like six years, I've been working like a dog. Like I've always worked hard, but like once I got into broadcasting, I was working doubly hard because I was doing so many different things. 
And my design is only supposed to work like four hours a day. I could never, I could never. Well, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to work like eight hours a day. So that's good. Literally. I won't sleep unless I work out. I have to physically wear my brain and my body out. And that's why this whole thing has thrown me into such an a tizzy insurmountable funk because in a tizzy, because I thrive on being busy. Like I said, the busier, the better, the schedule, places to be, things to do. I need to wear myself out. So this has been so challenging, just being kind of like stagnant. Like I said, picking myself up every single day and to, you know, just quickly to speak to your thing about, you know, if I'm not fulfilled, is this what I want to do? Something that keeps me going is I always, and this was like my selfie stick days too. I always envision the bigger picture, like the end game. Yeah. When people ask, they're like, what do you see yourself? And I'm like, I want to be the first female, you know, Bill Maher, the first female, you know? Yeah. I see that. That makes sense. And I have to hold on to it. And I'm like, even though it's hard, even though it feels like you're going through quicksand, like every little step, every little day is something. And if you look at it and you're like, I don't know, I don't know if it's this or that, then yeah, maybe it's worth reevaluating because it's scary to not be fulfilled by the thing that you're doing and being like, why aren't I happier? Shouldn't I just be happy that I'm doing it period? Yeah. And I think that's kind of something I have learned from therapy is my, cause I would oftentimes like go into her office and just like throw myself on the ground and cry and be like, why is it not happening to me? And she's like, you know, it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be disappointed with where you're at. But if you're telling yourself that that disappointment has something to do with your self-worth or like who you are or your ability to ever do anything, that's when you're getting into danger town. Mm -hmm. So I think that like her releasing me and like making me realize it's okay to not be exactly where I want to be, but that I can be appreciative of where I am and like who I am in the meantime. Yeah. Kind of freed me, but I still struggle with it all the time. Obviously big time, big time. I know me too. Every day. Yeah. Well, Tay, if there is one thing you could tell someone who's in the middle of their creative journey and they're like in kind of this dark night of the soul time and are like, how do I keep going? What would be your advice to them? Oh, everything I want to say is a cliche. That's fine. Sometimes cliches are cliches because they're good. In my head, it's like the path less taken and going against the grain and taking risks and all these things. But That really is what it comes down to. I can't tell you guys how many times I have had, even up until like this morning, whether it be family members, friends going, you know, don't you want a nine to five? You know, you need a 401k. You're 30. Have you thought about, you know, have you met anybody special? Have you, you know, you don't want to be alone. You want to have all these things constantly bombarding. And I hold on to, you know what, bitch, I have one life. This is what I was came here to do. It's not easy, but you know what? I would rather, and I've sacrificed a lot, like all those things, but I have been given this one life. So I would rather go after the thing that I want, that I know that I was meant here to do, than do what the norm is and what everyone else is doing because it's safe. What's more rewarding at the end of the day. And I can tell you, we've talked about it today and again, another cliche, but always the bigger risk reaps the bigger rewards. And my mom always says to me, it's from uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. 
fortune favors the bold. Yes. And also Aida, the musical. Oh yeah. Oh really? Yes. And it is, it's a hard fucking road. I will cry. I will kick. I will scream. And my best friend, he'll always say to me, this isn't the path everyone does. It's not. Otherwise everyone would do it. Yeah. But look at when you stick with it and commit, you know, what comes out on the other side. So I would just say, you know, stick with it. And we need innovators and forward thinkers and creative people right now. Desperately. Yes. We're in a time of such a cultural, massive upheaval. And we need that. We need that. Think about in the pandemic, how lost people were without live music, without being able to go to the movies. Like that's what, you know, no offense. And if you're in a cubicle, like that's all good. Like do you, but Think about the people who make you like feel something and bring the human psyche together, right? And have us connect. So I'm in your corner, all the creative people, because we're the ones changing the world. And that's what it is. Unless you're Jeff Bezos's penis ship. Well, I mean, we could we could say that that did change the world. I'm sure that changed the world. (laughs) I just think, you know, maybe put some of that dick money into the earth. Fair enough. And I leave you with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, Taylor, I love you. And you'll, you'll have to come back and keep updating us because I know huge things are ahead. Thank you. And likewise for you. Yeah, guys, don't don't give up. Everyone also do it if it, if it were that easy. And, you know, you're given a gift and shake what your mama gave you. <laughs> and sometimes the path is harder because you're supposed to learn more before you do the thing. And isn't it more worth it in the end? Not to be masochist and torture yourself, but... It's worth it. You're worth it. Remember that, baby. Thank you for listening. And thanks to my guest, Taylor Ferber. For more info on Taylor, follow her at Talk To Me Taylor on Instagram and YouTube. And check out her podcast, Cancel Me Baby, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you so much to Unleash Associate Producer Emily Shulmanovich. You can follow her at We Can't Find Emily. Thank you to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow Unleash on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Learner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag Taylor at Talk to Me Taylor so she can share too. My wish for you this week is that you really think about what you consider your biggest weakness and question whether it can be flipped into a strength. Try shifting your perspective and see what you find. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.